0: Welcome everyone to another episode of The Great Old Ones Gaming. I'm Nate, Lost in Time and Space, and I'm joined with today my fellow co-hosts.
1: I'm the man from Ling, host of the Whisper in Darkness YouTube channel. And I'm Innkeeper Vase Odin from the Twisted Tentacle Inn.
0: And it's me, Nathan. Innsmith is finally done. And we figured we would take the episode to discuss what we what we like about Innsmith, uh, what's been a, what's been grabbing us about the game lately kind of discuss the Curse and Bless tokens and move on into our community spotlight and perhaps maybe a little trivia if we have time. Alright, so guys, what has been grabbing you to Arkham lately? Nathan. A tentacle.
2: Giant tentacle. I see what you did there, base. (laughs) All the listeners will realize that you... Keep throwing me under the bus and disrespecting my time.
1: (laughs) You're always calling people out to go first before you, so it's your turn. You go first. Oh,
2: okay. I see what you're doing here. So I had posited to one person in the group, and then I orally posited to everybody in the group much later um, that I thought that there were some aspects that all, all the players kind of deal with. But, you know, certain players are attracted to other ones. Like with Magic the Gathering, you've got collectors, casual players, hardcore players, um, and people just kind of like the art. So, or people want to prospect. Well, with this game, you don't have the the random card, uh, tradable card game aspect, but there is the art, the collecting of the game, deck building, the adventures, you know, actually playing them, accessorizing, And the social aspect to the game and i think for i think for a lot of people that several of these apply i do know that there's a large portion of the population out there uh, of gamers that play this game that play solo and that's totally cool but so the social aspect is not going to be as high up on their list Uh, there's other people out there that don't want to buy that much of the game they just they want to stick with the core and maybe one or two deluxes and they're totally happy with that. The collecting's not going to appeal to them, right? Um, As for me, I feel like it's a mortal sin to admit it so freely, but I don't care about deck building. I would rather net deck or play with one of the five pre-built investigators because my fun is two key things other than the, the great adventure you go on, which is fun. I really like the social aspect of getting together with my friends and playing. But for any any single person out there that has seen my Arkham Horror Images of Madness Instagram, or uh, played with me in person, they know that my favorite thing to do is to accessorize the living hell out of the game. If I can have a token for every single spell, if I could have lights and trees and pathways and a gate sound effects, a car, little dogs uh, on the board. I mean that's what I like to do. I like to bring it to life, make it memorable and anything I could do to do that would be great. I even went to six different craft stores in one day to find the perfect wrought iron uh, fence for doing the um, Miskatonic and Dunwich Legacy box uh, Miskatonic Museum so. That is my particular poison,
1: uh, Vase. Uh, so for me, it used to be, when I first got into the game, it used to be how the mechanics told the story. So it, it was really immersive to me. So I really enjoyed role-playing games. And for me, that was like an awesome aspect of a different type of role-playing game. It was a card game with a role-playing game and very immersive. The, the characters were interesting. The investigators, the stories were interesting. But I think that aspect of the game has kind of gotten away from the designers a little bit. And some people may, may like that and some people may not. Um, it hasn't necessarily turned me off from the game, the, the fact that they've moved away from that. And a lot of the storytelling is now through like walls of text and interludes and things like that, more so than the actual mechanics. But I think it's for me, it's evolved into more... Uh, the the building of the investigator decks has become far more interesting as the card pool has grown. And I think the designers have done a great job with that. Um, you know, with, notwithstanding a few cards that have been broken or have gotten past playtest somehow. But, you know, considering how large the card pool, the card pool has gotten, there aren't that many cards that, are, that one can say are extremely broken. There's a few, sure, and the ones that are broken are probably really broken. But... Overall, I think they've done a good job like keeping that reeled in a little bit. There is a little bit of power creep, but that's always gonna happen as card pools get bigger. I mean, you just can't you just can't think about every aspect and every interaction. But I think despite all that, the the building of the investigator decks as the card pool has grown, uh, it's really, really taken off. Uh some investigators that maybe didn't have as interesting of deck deck building, like for example, Father Mateo, now have a really like vast pool of cards that they can pick from, and different uh, archetypes that they can that they can create for each investigator. It's it's become really interesting to me. the The scenarios themselves, as the game has progressed, haven't inspired me a whole lot. It, for me, it's the last three cycles have been rather uninspired to me. But maybe that'll change with the next one. I don't know. But at least the good thing is that the community is really, really, really. Uh, good about creating their own stuff and there's there's a huge a plethora of fan-made scenarios that uh apparently are really really good the ones i played have all been fantastic so
2: and do you know what a plethora is jefe <laughs> a sweater
1: it's a sweater so i think that playing more fan made, but with you know the investigators and the official cards and all that I think that's going to be like the next evolution for me if the next cycle doesn't inspire me as much. So uh, you know, it's still I still love the game, but in a different way than I first started. All right, I'm going to toss it to Nate. A hot potato pass there. I see. Um,
0: yeah, I'm kind of in a similar vein to Vase. I've always been gravitated towards deck building in games. Uh, you know, I always like to tinker around with with cards and see how things work and see what interactions are favorable in the solo format. Um, You know, kind of unlike Nathan is I like to enjoy the game with a lower player count. I like to kind of experience the story at my own pace. And I like, for me, that's when the, the game shines brightest. It's just like one or two people playing through the adventures. And like vase, I think the community for me is probably what keeps me in the game. But what do you uh what aspect appeals to you man from Lang?
3: i uh enjoy the uh the mechanical aspect of the game i'm i'm i enjoy i mean i've played many of the scenarios multiple times and and for me a lot of the time it's about refining my playthroughs and and trying to play through the scenarios as cleanly and as um the the best way that i can and and try to improve on each playthrough and and find the the best ways through the through the story, but uh, you know, initially I was attracted to the game because I'm, I I really enjoy the the universe that Lovecraft created, and uh, had played many of the Arkham Horror files games in the past. But you know, for those games, the community was never was never part of that because. Um, I just didn't play the games with other people and that has that has really been the big change with arkham horror i've met you know a lot of good friends through this game and uh, both through the channel and and attending events and that continues to be one of the reasons that i keep doing you know keep creating the content that i do is that i enjoy the people that i meet and and the comments that i get and and that has become i think more important than the than the game itself.
0: Yeah, I'm right there with you, you know, like you can kind of get burnt out on a game like this because it sometimes feels frustrating when you when you draw three auto fails in a row or you know just a bad random random chance just kind of bites the bullet for you, but yeah, when you have a great community surrounding the game, you know, through thick and thin, that's when you can really get through those moments and come out the other side.
3: Yeah, I mean, I also enjoy, I enjoy the deck building aspect a little bit, but I'm probably closer to, to where Nathan is. I'm not like on my channel, I tend to play a lot of decks other people have built because while I could sit down and probably build decent decks myself, I don't consider myself to be a particularly good deck builder. and. And I don't, uh, but from time to time, you know, if there's an investigator that I'm very interested in or a scenario that I'm trying to beat, you know, I'll sit down and, and iterate on a deck over and over again until I'm happy with how it works. And, and so there's that aspect as, as well. But certainly if, if somebody said, you know, you can't build decks anymore, I would be like, okay, fine. I'll just go play one of the thousands that are out there.
0: Um, Okay, so why don't we move on to what's been grabbing us as of late. Um, Vase and I have played through InSmith recently and Man from Lang, you and I have been doing reviews of the player cards throughout the cycle of Innsmyth, and I was just kind of wondering what you guys think about the curse and bless mechanic now that we've seen all of the available cards and and strategies that one can employ with the mechanic.
3: Yeah, I think it's uh it's interesting to look back on when they introduced the mechanic. Um, I think it was last year, um, sort of. I think it was like maybe May or June when when they sort of had the, the first video that uh that debuted the mechanic and look at how my feelings toward it have evolved over the past year or so and uh you know initially i was i was um i don't know whether i was i was for or against it in the beginning It you know it was it was another area for the designers to explore and Uh, Since then, and having had a chance to actually, you know, get my hands on it and play some of the decks, I I feel like it's it's uh, a better mechanic for um, multiplayer than it is for solo. Uh, When I play uh, with the Bless and Curse mechanic in solo, it, it often feels like I'm waiting for. Um, the cards that that add the blessed tokens to the deck or to the chaos bag or the curse tokens and so it, it Feels like there's an extra step in there before my decks get going and I feel like that's probably mitigated somewhat in in multiplayer if you have multiple decks adding tokens to the bag where it's just not up to you to do it but in in solo it feels a little bit slow sometimes and Um, and sometimes I I feel like there's just not a lot of the payoff for doing it isn't quite what I would like like there's some very there are some good cards that involve the mechanic but uh, but sometimes uh, it just doesn't feel as impactful as I as I would like and I've Often wondered, you know, whether there, if there was a card that say added the, a permanent that added bless and curse tokens right at the start of the game, whether that would be, whether that would sort of mitigate the, the feelings I have, at least in solo, where it's, it's like, okay, I, I start the game, I've got all these cards that sort of interact with the bless and curse mechanic, but first I need to get the cards that add the tokens to the bag. And if that doesn't happen, then, I'm left holding these cards that don't really do a whole lot. And so that's, I guess it's, it's sometimes it's been, it's been a little frustrating, which has made it, I think, more difficult to evaluate some of the, the
0: player cards that have come out in this cycle. Yeah, I agree, especially more so with the curse mechanic because there aren't a lot of cards that add huge swaths of curse tokens unless you've already spent experience like i think the the most prime example is probably the rogue card gias that exceptional asset that adds 10 tokens when you when you break the promise that you make to it but yeah there really aren't a ton of cards that just add tons of tokens aside from maybe keep faith and tempt fate but you're definitely right, like, you, you kind of rely on drawing those in solo just to kind of make your deck work. And it it feels like you, you're suffering that mystic problem where you're not drawing your Shriveling or you're not drawing your right of Seeking at the right time to kind of make your deck going, and that can feel really frustrating. I had a couple of notes here, and I felt like the Curse mechanic felt a bit let down in its payoff cards. Like there are some interesting cards in the archetype like i think the two covenants are very good but those don't really feel like payoff cards whereas something like holy spear or a watchful peace feel like really good payoff cards for the blast mechanic
3: yeah i think uh i'm just going to to correct your pronunciation because i know when when we did the review of geish on our oh yes on our channel many people responded with the correct pronunciation so but yeah, it, it feels like there's it's it's one more step to get a deck working, and I was talking to uh, I was I, emailing uh, M J Newman and and she was saying that you know a lot of the cards are designed with that aspect in mind, like the the power level of the cards is is affected by that sort of delay in gratification, I guess, but i find that you know the games you know a a typical game of arkham tends to be about 12 turns and if and if you don't draw your bless and or curse cards until late in the game then um it can feel really underwhelming and there have been some games where it's just like they just don't show up and i'm like well this i was basically playing you know, I was playing a blessed deck that never actually triggered any of the mechanics. I find that and and I'm speaking largely here of the, the Survivor Bless decks. I haven't played very much with the with the Guardian side, um, where you've got Sister Mary who can reliably add bless tokens to the bag from from the word go. But at least from a survivor perspective, it often feels like, you know, if you draw all the if you get all the blessed cards right away you can you can fill up the bag and and sort of get moving but if you don't it's just like well i'm sort of sitting here waiting and uh, in terms of payoffs it uh, you know i I've, I've built a couple of curse decks and and yeah i I'd, I'd agree with you Nate that there there aren't a lot of high level cards involving the curse mechanic that i that i really gravitate to once i've earned some experience points
0: yeah it's like the cards that interact with the curse tokens are mostly just you add curse tokens to get some immediate benefit or you're playing like a gaze of a rash or something where you're like trying to reveal as many curse tokens as possible um and or fay, i i think is the skill card that lets you, like it gives plus three to your skills for, for the turn. And then it reduces the cost by the amount of curse tokens in the bag. So it's like, it's not really a payoff, like Holy Spear that like not only interacts with the tokens, but also like benefit, like has a direct benefit from adding more tokens to the bag. So yeah,
3: it's the Stygian eye is the one you're, you're thinking Yes. Of. Thank you. Yeah. The, I, I think the one card that sort of stands out for me you know, when I when I think of the bless and curse mechanic, is the Eye of Djinn, which is I think is a really cool card in the way it's designed. But you know, between a, it's exceptional, so it's difficult to get on the table to begin with, and then b, you need bless and curse uh, tokens in the bag. It just sort of feels like this this really cool card with some very cool abilities is gated behind. A couple of restrictions that make it much more challenging to play than it should be or even you know the in the same pack they had lucky penny which is i mean it's it's a very interesting sort of mechanic that's that's going on there by you know turning bless uh curse token or bless tokens into curse tokens if flipping a coin now i'm not crazy about the whole flipping a coin idea but I think the the transforming of the tokens is kind of interesting. But again, it's exceptional. So you're, again, gated behind, A, getting it on the table, which is not particularly easy when you're playing a rogue um, due to their lack of card draw. And then, B, you need tokens in the bag. So if you draw the penny and have no tokens or you get the penny down and then what I tend to find is that you if you draw a lot of your uh, a lot of the cards that add tokens early, you you tend to fill up the bag, and then the bag slowly, um, the number of tokens in the bag slowly goes down as the seri- scenario progresses to the point where there's only one or two in the bag, and they're not and they're not very impactful. So
2: uh, I have a question, then. Um, so and and I want to find out from base or something after this, but but for you, Manfred Lang. What would be something that you feel could change about the game or in an upcoming scenario, uh, cycle that would kind of make those twelve turns more impactful? Like you say, it's kind of hard to set up some of these things. So maybe a way to add one or two permanents that allow you to get the ball rolling, kind of like uh, was it? Uh, I've got a plan or whatever, where you can kind of put things in play or or backpack. Is there something that you think can be done to increase the enjoyment and and popping off of these combos that you want to play with? Yeah, it's it's not necessarily
3: I don't know if it's necessarily calm, but like the the blessing I guess the blessing curse mechanic is kind of like a a combo in a sense, in that you need both things to sort of pull it off. I, I think a permanent would probably solve a lot of the issues I have. I'm not too sure how that would work from a design perspective, because you would need to um be very careful in in with the experience point cost of it so you you didn't necessarily make it like say if i wanted something for survivors say to add x number of bless and or curse tokens to the bag at the beginning of the game you'd want to be very careful to make sure that that card wasn't necessarily available to everybody Um, because it might be too powerful that way so giving those decks a bit of a jump start to overcome that that initial hump but again i mean it's you know i i hear about these groups in multiplayer where they have four you know two or three or four blessed decks sitting at the table and they can just wreak havoc because they can play you know uh they can fill up the bag very easily between them, and then they can leverage a lot of these cards. Like, you know, Nate and I specifically called out a watchful piece as being busted because it's just so easy to to abuse in that setting.
2: I don't, they could abuse this uh, potentially or piss people off potentially, but it'd be interesting if they came out with a card they could only use in solo. Like, hey, if you're going it alone, you know, or, or a card that is just so much clearly... Better in solo because it says the effect is reduced for the amount of players. I don't know, that would be kind of a neat thing to add.
3: Well, they did make um solo only cards in for the Lord of the Rings LCG because oh wow, because playing solo was um very very difficult, yeah. And so there were some they they did release some cards that were specifically like if you are playing with only one hero, here is what you do. Gotcha. You know, these are cards you could add to your deck, and and so they might be able to do something similar for for Arkham. I'm not too sure what that card would look like, but but that that's sort of the that's the difficulty of trying to balance, right? It's just like between the the multiplayer and the solo. I tend to think that while they do a pretty good job of balancing the scenarios with the you know, per investigator mechanic, it's a little trickier to to balance the player cards.
1: How do you? What do you think, Vase? I mean, I I, I agree. I think it's a great idea to have cards that are specifically meant for solo play. The there's already cards that are specifically only going to work in multiplayer, so why not? You know, and and solo is a much more difficult type of game. It's more swingy. It's it's very unforgiving. If you make any play mistakes, it's Definitely much harder, so having cards that'll help in that would be really nice. Um, I, I like the Bless and Curse mechanic. I think it is... I, I wish it was more than just one cycle, and I think Maxine has said that uh, she doesn't plan on implementing it in any future cycles. Like, it's kind of just within Smith and that's it. But I think the Bless, Curse mechanic was such a home run. Uh, I know you guys clearly have mixed feelings about it, but I think the design space that it created is what was a home run for me and the potential of it. There's so much you can do to explore that, that I really wish it wasn't just locked into one cycle. I do wish that they would expand on it and add it to other cycles like they've done with other mechanics. I mean, they've had seal and they've had alert and they've had other mechanics that have, you know, jumped from one cycle to another. Why not bless and curse? I understand it's more difficult because they have to print, you know, the blessed curse tokens and include them with the deluxe, but that shouldn't be too hard for them. And I think that it's something that they probably could get away with exploring further. And I don't think anyone would complain about that.
2: Well, circling back real quick to, to what you were saying earlier about how you felt that the last few cycles have been uninspired, what's something without going into too much detail, cause we're, we're kind of watching time, but what's something that They could do, in your opinion, that would make a cycle feel inspired again. What's something that you're looking for when you play?
1: For me, it's going back to the basics. Uh, Honestly, that's it. Like going back to making the mechanics tell the story, as opposed to making the interludes and the and the introduction tell the story. That I feel like if if they just do that, reel in all these special. Like you don't have to be super innovative to make a good scenario. If they reel that in where they're constantly trying to be extra innovative and focus more on making the game um, as fun as it was when it first came out, why, why so many people fell in love with it was because of that. You know, Well, there's several different aspects we all talked about, but that was definitely a part of it. And I think when you, when you start to get away from that, you're starting to um, isolate the people that did enjoy that aspect of the game. When you have mid-scenario setups that take 20 minutes to do And then, you know, then you got to do several of them in one scenario, uh, like search for Kadath. You know, you're doing more setup and takedown than you're actually playing. You're reading interludes. So between reading interludes and setup and takedown, you're literally doing less of what Arkham is, which is the card game, and more of that stuff. Instead, go back to the basics, you know, go back to Midnight Mask, where... The story is being told as you're drawing those cards, you're imagining in your mind what's happening. And then the the artwork and all that, it's just invoking that even further for you. So I think that's what they could do.
2: Yeah, I think, I, I think all those are, are good points. And I appreciate you adding on to your previous comment. I would like to point out that I also saw what you did there when you said something about reeling people in, which was once again, just a, a reminder from Vase that he wants you to send in fish and chips photos, uh, directly to Carolyn Fern, the botanist, uh, at gmail.com. So I'm
1: glad you caught that.
2: Yeah. You know, you had a good hook. So awesome.
3: I just wanted to, to return to like when vase was talking about the, this being, uh, you know, one and done for the cycle. And, and I know that, uh, you know, they've talked about, well, it's difficult to reprint the, it's costly for them to reprint the tokens and whatnot. But I mean, there has been precedent in the past for them in uh, the Game of Thrones uh, LCG where they introduced um, mechanics and had them run over several cycles. Um, so because they you know they felt that just one cycle wasn't enough to explore the mechanic fully. And so I think it would be nice if uh, Arkham did something similar where it was like, OK, we had one cycle of Bless and, and Curse mechanics. The cards are out in the wild now. We can sort of step back and assess uh, how the how the mechanic worked, and then create uh, another cycle where the, they bring it back so they can fine tune it a little bit, rather than just sort of leave it half finished.
1: I love that idea, and I'm I'm glad that there is a glimmer of hope, and there's precedent to to revisiting certain mechanics in in other games and their properties. That's that's really a good good thing to hear from me, actually
3: yeah it's like it's like the seal mechanic right when it was introduced in the forgotten age like i thought that's a pretty that's a really interesting mechanic um involving the chaos bag but then it was just sort of it just felt like very underdeveloped like it just didn't go anywhere past you know there were there were a handful of cards in the entire cycle that really leveraged it and i was expecting like oh there's going to be cards for each each uh, class that are sealing tokens left right and center and doing all sorts of cool things and it just never sort of transpired and we've received a couple of of cards like uh, i think of unrelenting now it's it's an extremely powerful card but i mean the the options that it gives you to to sort of that choice it gives you between okay do i seal all the good tokens to draw a couple cards or do i seal bad tokens in order to perhaps pass a test that I'm uh, not certain that I'm going to pass.
2: Well, they definitely added a a very cool element to the game when they did that because yeah, you're like, do I keep everyone from drawing the elder sign, but get a cool ability, you know? Um, I guess my thought on that is that they, for the sake of game balance, they didn't want to go too far down that rabbit hole because if you get to the point where you have, five or ten tokens sealed i mean that's gonna grossly check, uh, affect the game almost to the point of maligning it uh, in a way do, do you see what i'm saying or am i by myself
0: no I, I i would agree with that yeah if you have too many cards that seal tokens especially like any token specifically then you can certainly create situations where you're sealing the worst tokens in the bag, but also getting some ridiculous benefit out of it too. So,
3: but they did, they did create, you know, what was that? There's that one mystic card that has a limit on it to how many copies can be on the, uh, on the table. Shards of the void. No, it's no, there's, uh, I can't, I can picture it. It has like the wizard on the front, but it's like limit two on the table at a time. So you can't, um, Seal two. I'm man. I need to look it up now. Protective incantation. Oh yeah,
1: yeah, uh, yeah. Where you pay one resource every round to keep it on the table. Yeah, that's right. Group,
3: yeah. Group limit two copies in play. So I think you know, and that's seal any any token except the uh, tentacle. So I, you know, there there is precedent again for you know putting a limit on the number of tokens that be, can be sealed so if you have group limit x for for these types of cards you could uh prevent people from abusing them too badly so i think there's still you know there's i i would like them to keep revisiting the seal mechanic and as well as the bless and curse mechanic just so it doesn't feel like well we did it for a cycle and now you know we're done and you know the cards that are there are there, and
2: that's that's all you're gonna that's all you're gonna get. Which it'd be cool if they came out with just another standalone with, that had that too. Can you imagine something like Murder at the Excelsior, but it had Cursed and Fate or it had Sealed stuff in it too? And I'd be like, that's awesome.
0: Yeah, I, I totally agree with the sentiment that you guys have been saying about um, bringing more cards into the Curse and Bless card pool because. I, I would agree that it feels underdeveloped with one cycle, especially the Mystics. Um, I know, Man from Lang, you and I had mentioned how we felt the Mystics felt a little lost in what they wanted to do with the Curse and Bless tokens. And I'd like to see you know, more, more cards that help the Mystics deal with the tokens or interact with the tokens a little more than just being able to grab them. Um, because, you know, it's it's an interesting dichotomy to have a deck that wants to add both tokens, but I feel like it's not explored a lot, just because there isn't, you know, there's only so much uh, space in those Mythos packs that you can make cards in. So I would, uh, I'd like to see more, and I'm sure we'll get more in the Return to Innsmith box. But, um, but what are your guys' thoughts on Innsmith so far? Have you guys had a chance to play through the campaign at all uh vase and i have played through it on stream and we had a bit of a bumpy ride to say the least
1: oh man bumpy was (laughs) that's an (laughs) understatement (laughs) so vase what do you think about the campaign well um you know i didn't hate it even though it was even though we did so poorly i didn't necessarily hate it um there are things that I didn't like about it. Like the narrative was just kind of all over the place The I think the jumping back and forth in the timeline was unnecessary. And then uh, some of the other things, you know, interludes and things like that weren't unnecessary, holding off experience, unnecessary. Mind you, um, whoever's listening, spoilers are going to be said probably in between this, this conversation at this point. Um, so I, I think there are certain aspects I didn't like, but I still didn't hate it. I thought, overall it played it played okay there are some extremely frustrating encounter cards like undertow um, especially if you're playing in multiplayer in certain scenarios um, I feel some things were underused I know you mentioned like the keys and you know the flood mechanic um, could have been done a little bit differently and I agree I think they were they feel like an afterthought they feel like you know like that's what I was talking about like those could have been great aspects to the the game itself telling the story and they had p- potential there and they just let it go to the wayside. And so those are things I, I dislike. but I did like, um, some of the scenarios had interesting flavor. Uh, the vanishing of Harper was great. Your voice for Harper was fantastic. And that kept me going. <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, and
1: you know, there were a few scenarios I liked. I know you didn't like horror and high gear. I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was interesting. You know, that whole chase thing was exciting to me. Um, so overall, I have mixed feelings about it. Um, I wouldn't go out of my way to play it. I, it certainly isn't in my top three of campaigns, but it's okay. <laughs> what about, uh, have you guys had a chance to play through it, Man From Lang or Nathan?
3: I've uh, really enjoyed the scenarios that I've played so far. I feel like there's... um yeah i've just i've really enjoyed the the scenarios i've played so far i haven't gone uh quite as deep as as uh, you and nate have but uh you know i was thinking of my recently playing through into deep and it was it felt kind of refreshing that that everything you know with the exception of the the couple of flashbacks that are available to you that everything is sort of on the table and there aren't uh, a lot of cards that uh get added to your thread area and stuff like that so it's 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 felt kind of refreshing to have everything just in front of me and i didn't have to refer to a lot of different i find some of the scenarios can get a little more complicated than they need to be when you've got like you're referencing the agenda and the act deck and then all the cards in, in your thread area and then there there's abilities on the locations and stuff like that and i feel like it can get a little bit difficult sometimes to track where all these different abilities are triggering and it felt like when I played in too deep that everything was just fairly straightforward just being the one act and it had the one ability on it and it was a pretty easy one to remember and so you could just play and not have to think oh am I forgetting something or have I missed this major rule it just felt like and I felt like the, in that scenario in particular, there were lots of different ways that you could play it, and and uh, so I felt like the replayability was quite high. And uh, the same with that, va- the vanishing of Alina Harper. Like it felt like that's a scenario that I could sit down and play over and over again, and it would be different each time.
0: Yeah, I think the front half of the campaign is very good. Um, i i don't mind horror in high gear my only criticism of that scenario is that it feels like it just kind of ends like you just get to the location and then the scenario ends and it can feel kind of anticlimactic at times but i do like the the mechanics or like what it's trying to tell as a story like you know you're you're being chased in a car and you're driving around. And in our game, we had Carolyn in the passenger
1: seat with Lucky, with liquid courage getting, drunk. she was just <laughs> taking swigs of, of
0: liquor. Uh, it was
1: hilarious.
0: So yeah. yeah, I just, for me, it just kind of ends. And that was kind of a bummer, you know, cause I, I like the, the scenarios that kind of have that climactic ending. Like I think of Essex County as kind of the go-to comparison. I think with that scenario, and in Essex County, you have to get to the engine car and then do an objective. And I think that that would have been nice to see with Horror and High Gear. And that's really my only nitpick of that scenario. But man, oh man, do I not like Devil Reef? That is, it's too much random for me to really enjoy. It's my new favorite. What? I'm with you on that,
2: Nate. That was. Do you really actually like that scenario, Nathan? If you don't like it, the base doesn't like it. <laughs> I am now going to build a shrine to it <laughs> and play it every day. Like for me, like that
0: scenario is I think the epitome of too much RNG in a scenario. Yeah. Um, for, for anyone that hasn't played it, uh, I will be spoiling this, the setup. So you have to set up the five random islands and then you have to set up random locations at each island and then each of those locations get random keys, and it's one of those um, like do as much as you can scenarios. Hey Nate,
2: um, just real quick, I'm not sensing any respect coming out of your voice right now. A uh, little more respect, all right, buddy.
0: Hey, I, I'm I'm explaining how the scenario is set up, and for me, hey, that's, talk to you
2: for a second. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's that's too much random, and I I had a. Um, I had a conversation with somebody in our Discord server who was like, so why do you not like that, but you like Vanishing? And I think the big difference between those two scenarios is that when you play Vanishing, it feels like you're in much more control over the randomness of it,
1: whereas in Devil
0: Reef, it feels like you're kind of at the mercy of yeah, you know, things spawning at the right time. We
1: got stuck in the one cave, and then we were just there. Like, we couldn't move... There was no way we could get out of it. Like it was not feasible, and we literally just sat in one location, hunkered down, just waiting for things to come at us. It was the one of the most boring things I've ever, <laughs> I've ever played in Arkham. Like we literally just sat there, ending our turns, doing nothing, drawing cards or whatever, swigging from the liquid courage, waiting for creatures to come at us so we can fight, and just waiting for to doom out. It was it was rough. It was rough.
3: Yeah, I haven't played that scenario yet, but it sounds like it's one I may not enjoy simply because it it sounds a lot like uh, Before the Black Throne, where you need to hit, um, like the locations are random and you need to hit one specific location in three different acts. And if you guess wrong then you're pretty much done
0: well it's it's worse than that because it's not only do you need to get the right locations but you also need the right keys at the right locations
1: yeah yeah otherwise you're moving across the entire like you got to get in a vehicle and then go to across the board to get this one key and then come back around and then to come back sometimes it's impossible because of the encounter cards Um, again, spoilers, that they'll break down your boat, and so you have to use an action to do that. But if you're stuck there, then you can drown and take five points of damage. But then also there's this creature which will hit you. It's like, so you can't, unless you have 10 actions in a turn, you can't get back on the boat and move. So you're stuck. There will be a point where you're stuck in wherever you are in a three-location island, and there's nothing you can do to get out of it. It's...
0: Yeah, I I think... I think Devil Reef is a scenario that probably feels better once you understand the scenario and you meta against it, but our blind playthrough is is was a nightmare. You know, like like Vase was saying, but um, but JP recently put out a video discussing his thoughts on Innsmith and I, I think he makes a good point about Devil Reef that if you're playing, love that video. Yeah, if you're playing cards like. Um, like open gate and astral travel and esoteric atlas that kind of can kind of circumvent the movement with the boat then you're probably going to have a much better time but for me it's just it's too much rng for me to like because i like i like scenarios like like into deep where you know everything is laid out before you and then it feels much more like When you fail, it's because of the decisions you make rather than feeling like, oh, uh, if only this key had spawned here at this time, then I could have done this thing or, you know, some other reason like that. I feel like that kind of randomness is just too much versus vanishing, which feels, I feel like the right amount.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I feel the keys is also another big thing. Well, not just the keys. There's there's a combination of things, but there's a lot of required like movement across large maps and then doubling back in this campaign. Cause if keys spawn in different places and you have to go all the way, four locations away, pick up the red key and then come back to where you are to use the red key in that location and then go find the white key three locations away and then move back around to another, you know, like it's unless you have the right mobility, there's no way you're going to be able to handle all that. And the scenarios, the other thing is the scenarios um, some of them require you to stick together and they're constantly pushing you away. And if you are if you didn't build your decks to be like all-arounders, you're screwed. Like that one... What was the one scenario where we got separated by Undertow? It was the third one, I think. Uh, with the barrier... The one with the barriers. Like, realistically, once we were separated, it was over. Like we... Because we didn't build decks that were super generalist, there were some tests we weren't going to be able to pass once we were separated. It was done. Or if we, if you don't have a way to handle yourself in combat, the scenario is pushing your, your investigators apart from each other, which is can be interesting, but the way they make it is just super, super difficult. So there's there's a lot of things. And then each scenario feels so like you have to build for it specifically that if you're playing through the campaign with one deck... You will do well in one scenario and horribly in the next, because your deck can't possibly handle the huge swing and difference in what the scenario's requiring from you.
0: Yeah. I think that that leap is really only bad from into deep into Devil reef and horror and high gear, just because those are the two scenarios that, like you said, that hampered your movement, but the rest of the campaign is very movement centric, so. Um, yeah, I think that's a fair criticism. But, you know, overall, my thoughts on the campaign, I, I really enjoy the first three scenarios. And while I don't particularly enjoy Devil Reef and, you know, a minor quip with horror and high gear, I really like the campaign. And for me, I think it's probably tied for third with Dunwich. Really? Yeah, i I feel like this is one of those campaigns that is very rough on you when you play through it the first time. But, you know, because the scenarios feel pretty good on their own, like you said, like they feel like standalones that, you know, when you revisit it and you're not so concerned about like what story ending you're looking for or anything like that, when you play the scenarios individually, they're probably pretty good.
2: Huh.
0: I feel like I've re I've replayed dream eaters recently and like that that campaign versus this, I think I would want to play in Smith over that
1: any day without so. question, <laughs> without question.
2: <laughs> oh my god, that's interesting. And, and uh, three meters is one of my favorites. So, um, <clears throat> just real quick, adding my three cents. I agree, Devil's Reef did have a little too much RNG. Um, I really did like JP's wrap-up video. I think JP is a pillar of the community and really appreciate all the efforts that he does, um, not to mention the three of you adding a lot of great content out there. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree also, though, with your assessment that I would put it kind of, you know, in, in the third spot, but but I appreciate the fact that we got Insmith. I appreciate the fact that we got Dagon. Uh, at the end of the day, I am a content vampire. I just want all the content. So whenever this crazy ride stops and we all get off and we have whatever we've had this whole time, we can go back and enjoy stuff and kind of flesh it out more. But no, overall, uh, a lot of good points.
0: Let's move on into the community spotlight. And I just briefly wanted to mention that Vase and I are going to be starting a playthrough of the Alice in Wonderland campaign on our Twitch channel. Uh, The date is still still to be determined, but uh, we'll line up our schedules and we'll certainly post something in the Discord. I've heard a lot of great things about this campaign um, from other community members that have played it. And it seems like there's a lot of really interesting um, like references to Lewis Carroll's original works. And apparently the scenarios are just genuinely fun. So I'm really curious to check that out. If you want to check it out, I'll post a link in the show notes of this episode. But I will kick it off to Nathan because I know he has quite a few things that he wants to mention in this episode.
2: Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, a special shout out to Tyler Gotch, a.k.a. The Beard for putting the scenario together, uh, the pardon me, the eight scenario campaign together for Alice in Wonderland. Uh, Tyler also did uh, War of the Worlds and he also did the Headless Horseman uh, scenario, uh, All I think several of which are located up on uh, Arkham Central. And just a, a quick shout out to Arkham Central uh, and Karsten for hosting. Over 60, I think, now, fan-made scenarios. A lot of good content up there. Uh, I think there was just another one that was recently put up that I made a note to get printed off. I was just I was just looking at it earlier today. I was uh, concerned I got up at 6-something a.m. That's pretty good. Uh, on the Wallachian Trail, uh, I have not printed off yet. But uh, case in point, I try to print off every single scenario or campaign that comes up on Arkham Central because I'm a big fan of fan-maids. So thanks to everybody for creating that content. Um, Just another point, uh, Mark Teppo, uh, a horror writer slash fiction writer from Portland, Oregon, uh, has come out with his next installment in the Night Office series, Beyond the Walls of Sanity. Uh, This is a larger bit uh, and he's got another book coming out on the heels of this one. So it's kind of a two-parter in a way. Uh, really fun. I got to proofread and then check it out uh, when it when it came out. Uh, for all you listeners out there that are in the Facebook group, Arkham Horror, the card game, I will be doing another giveaway. So we're going to be giving away all three books that he's done. The Doom That Came to the Coffee Shop, Beyond the Walls of Sanity, and the, uh, I believe it's the Mansion of Madness, kind of, I'm blanking on it at the exact moment, but I believe it's right along those titles. In the Mansion of Madness, I believe. Anyway, really fun books. You can get them on Amazon. You can get them uh, on uh, in physical form. Highly recommend them. We are going to have uh, potentially a special guest coming up soon from Australia. Someone who's really passionate about the game and will give us a different perspective. Uh, being is that he's lived the dream eaters with all the spiders by being in Australia. He's seen that in real life. Uh, in addition, there is a special project that I'm uh, working with another group of people on for an Etsy store exclusive for Arkham Horror, the card game. It's something that hasn't been done before. So I'm kind of excited to see what we can do for it, but we will tell you more about that here when it comes to fruition. Just kind of keep your ears on our podcast and I will tell you when it is ready. Um, That said, are we ready to do some quick trivia? Today's trivia has been brought to you by the wonderful world of Arkham investigators. This is all investigator related, so I only have investigator cards, their special cards, their assets, their weaknesses, etc. Uh, As per usual, I have three different categories. I have quotes, I have icons, and I have either pictures or uh, stats. So with that said, base. Let's go with stats. We'll go, well, pictures slash picture stats. slash stats. Okay, buddy. I go with, yeah, you don't get to have your cake and you it with too. Pictures slash stats. Very uninspired. <laughs> all right, here we
1: go. <laughs> That's the new word now.
2: For all of. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought this was trivia time, not vase gets to crack one liner time. All right, so we have uh, Lola Hayes, Crisis of Identity. There are several different uh, snapshots of her acting, etc. One of the snapshots of her acting, she is holding a weapon. Does anyone know what that weapon is? Machete. Um. Any other non-machete? A gun. Okay. A derringer? Okay. The answer, in fact, was a dagger.
1: Yeah, I was just about one to of the say pictures. Knife. She's all roped up.
2: Yeah, that would I would have accepted nice. Who was
1: the closest and gets the point?
2: All right, going on to the next one. Man from Lang, can you please pick a category?
3: What were the categories again?
2: Uh, quotes, icons on the Let's
3: cards. go for icons.
2: All right, very iconic of you. Uh, until the end of time, ability for uh, the survivor... Uh, Blinking on his name because, of course, I am. Calvin. 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 Alvin Calvin. Alvin Calvin. Sounds like a garbage Pail kid card. Um, until the end of time, what are the uh, icons on the card? Darn any. One willpower, one wild icon?
0: Man from Line.
3: Uh, one combat, and one wild icon.
2: Correct. Man from Line with the point. First blood. All right, Man From Lang, you get to pick next category. We have quotes, icons, and pictures slash stats.
3: Let's go for quotes.
2: Easy quote. I will journey to the lands beyond. I do not fear them. Ursula Downs?
1: I feel like it's a Luke. Luke card. Um, box?
2: So, any other guesses? I'm going to go with Uh, Gatebox as well. That's what I was looking for in my head. Two for Gatebox, one for uh, Ursula. The answer is Akachi Onale. Really? Love name. I will journey to the lands beyond. I do not fear them. Yeah, she's just shamaning it up. Respect her. All right, next pick, Nate. Uh, Let's do
0: icons again.
2: Is that is that the proper term? Am I butchering this? Are they considered there's, things other than that? No, they're skill icons. Skill icon. I guess that's maybe closer. Okay, next one. Your favorite, my favorite, schizo tool uh, tactic card on the land. Can you name all four icons?
0: It's one combat, one agility, and two wild icons.
2: Boo boo. Sounds right. Boo!
1: Still running Oh, one combat, one intellect, and two wild icons.
2: You're close, except for the part where you're not correct. Mm. <laughs> Man from Lang, do you want to give it a stab? I'll it's say two wild icons actually.
3: Agility and combat. I'm pretty sure it's two wild. Icons.
2: You know, the the key point I think that killed this one for everybody is that it, in fact, does not have combat is it two it agility and two wilds intellect wild? knowledge intellect uh, agility and two wilds so that's a tricky one can't get your combat fix on but you two you, you get two wilds anyway so keep that in mind all right uh, base next category
1: um let's go again with the uh, picture/stats
2: all right this is uh, Nathaniel Cho's weakness. Tommy Molloy. Can anyone tell me his stat line?
1: Um. it oh. It is it um. Three three two. I think it's
3: like two three. Two.
0: I was gonna say
1: three three two. That's what I said. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh. Everybody, good try. It is in fact two, three, three. Oh, Close. for a sec there, I thought Manfred Lang would have gotten it, but slipped the right. Talk to your cross. All right, we're going to head over to quotes because I got more quotes than anything else. Here we go. The mind is fragile, but through understanding, we can protect it.
1: Oh. oh, 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 oh!
0: Hypnotic therapy? Yeah, that's it.
1: Anybody else? hypnotic therapy. Carolyn Fern? Okay. <laughs> Carolyn
2: Fern is correct. <laughs> uh, i like to point out that Vase, who says that he likes Carolyn Fern. I instantly recognize the
1: quote. Ca- excuse me. Excuse
2: me. Excuse me. Says that he likes Carolyn Fern. Can't even mention
1: the investigator with that. I just so, couldn't Nate, remember which of the cards.
2: I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We don't have time. Nate. Uh, Let's do quotes again. Quotes again. This is uh, not hypnotic therapy. Here we go. When I find that beast, I'll put it down for good. Um,
3: Tony Morgan?
2: Correct. Man from Lang, two points. Man from Lang, we're down to the wire. We have one quote, one icon, and two pictures slash stats.
3: Let's go with pictures slash stats.
2: There we go. All right. My favorite investigator, Jim Culver, whom if you told me the quote on him, I would know it. Uh, Final Rhapsody Weakness. What uh, animal or creature is in the picture for Final Rhapsody Weakness?
3: A deer. A snake.
2: An octopus?
3: I don't think there are any animals in that picture. What the shit? An octopus.
2: There is, in fact, a very large bug with its wings uh, upraised in the picture. I would have accepted several answers similar to what I just said. Although now I want to see a picture with an octopus, a snake, and a deer in it uh, in Arkham Horde, the card game. All right, next one. Nate. Uh, let's do icons. Icons. Last icon. Here we go. Dexter Drake showmanship talent. What are the icons?
1: Uh, One
0: wild. One willpower and one wild?
1: I'm I'm going to say two wild, one willpower.
2: Anybody else? Uh, Willpower and agility. All good guesses. Uh, At least you got the agility part correct. It is combat because he is a... uh, he is a veteran agility don't know why exactly because maybe he's cool and then a wild icon so combat, agility uh, wild down to the last two man from Lang Uh, whichever quote sure here we go for a quote you got a bone to pick? fine by me I don't need your permission to leave you in the dust Rita Young? Correct, Leo Anderson. Yeah, he would also leave somebody in the dust, but definitely not from being agile. All right, Nate, we're at two. Uh, Vase, I don't think your Venmo payment went through this week. <laughs> Probably, yeah. <laughs> All right, last one. For the tiebreaker, Vase, you can listen. You could also answer, but this is uh, up between Nate from Lost in Time and Space and the man from Lang. Here we go. Jake Williams, loyal companion has something in his hand. What does he have?
1: A machete. It's Yeah, it's a machete. There.
0: I thought it was a lantern.
1: All
2: right. Well, the rifle will go unanswered this week. Nate from Lost in Time and Space and Man from Lang. You have tied it up. Congratulations. You will be getting Vase's money from his Venmo account. <laughs> but... If you want something really special, you can write to Carolyn Fern, the botanist, and say, send me something, all in caps, and uh, there's a chance that he may do so. You know, I think I might just do that.
1: (laughs) I will send something. I'll send a reply. Ah, thanks.
2: Well, thanks, everybody, for getting together. I know it's been a hot minute since we've been able to do so, but it's good to hear your voices. It's good to, to add some content for this awesome, awesome community out there. So thank you.
0: Absolutely. And I will certainly take Nathan's cue and sign us off today. I've been your host, Nate, Lost in Time and Space, and I was joined with...
1: I am the man from Lang, host of the Whisper in Darkness YouTube channel. And I'm Innkeeper Vesodin from the Twisted Tentacle Inn
2: and round things out in the butt that's me Nathan from uh, Arkham Horror Images of Madness on Instagram and uh, you know one of the moderators of Facebook and moderators for Arkham Central a lot of stuff okay thank you Cola. I don't know what it would taste like but I kind of want to buy it
1: it would taste like seafood it would be awesome bro yeah. <laughs> <Well, no, laughs> I don't want to drink that <laughs> <laughs> that's
2: nasty but speaking of fish